It seems that in every generation, a few Christians rise above the rest of us. Their courage, sacrifice, and extraordinary accomplishments set them apart as worthy of special commendation, which is why the church calls them saints. The church has been doing this, both officially and unofficially, for 2,000 years. Their names read like a who's who of Christian heroes. I love to tell the stories of these saints to my students, who are fascinated, if not dazzled by them. But then it always happens. Some student blurts out, so what? That simple and stark question drives the discussion in a different direction. Students begin to ponder the problem of sainthood. Who can imitate these extraordinary people? Most of us will not suffer martyrdom, or live as ascetics in the desert, or serve as bishops, or travel to far-off places as missionaries. Is it possible for ordinary people to be true disciples too? Welcome to the These Days Podcast. This is Ben and Dwayne. Hello. Dwayne is slowly getting untangled, all of his <laughs> mic and headphone cords. There's so many wires. <laughs> uh, that's what happens when you spend your whole life among paper books. Yes. You just don't know how technology works. <laughs> no. To be fair, yeah. to be yeah. fair, neither do I. I've always uh, uh, tried to achieve that sort of absent-minded professor thing. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. It's just really it's coming to fruition. Well, man. thank it's you, really Ben. Nice. Thank you very much. <laughs> anyway, we digress. We digress yes. before A we lot. even... Yeah, we yeah. do. Yeah. Before we even... I don't know. What's the opposite of digress? Progress? Uh, regress? We, we digress before we know. even progress. Yeah, yes. That sounds right. Yeah, my head's spinning now. Yep. Uh, thanks for joining us today. We're excited to uh, jump in with another ep- episode. Um, and um, we also just want to say happy summer. I mean, yes. it's not officially summer, but it is June. Oh, it's starting to feel like it. it yeah, it mm. is June, and it, it feels like uh, like we are turning the corner into a summer of just uh, hopefully hopefully rest and fun yeah. for all of you. And hopefully you can double your rest and your fun um, and really you know treat yourself this summer with a Patreon subscription to the These Days podcast. Yes. You can join us at patreon.com slash we'll be going now. And, and Ben will send you a personal note with his tanning secrets over the summer. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And how to how to really like sun bleach your hair. Because every time every yes. time I see my mom, you know this. Every time I see yes. my mom during the summer, she goes, Oh, I just forget how blonde your hair gets in the summer. Since I was five years old, yes, mom. Yes. Since I was five years old. But anyway, um, before we digress anymore, that was a really interesting cold open, Dad. Yeah. Um, and I, I um know what I know that book. I think I told you about that yes, book. Yes, you did. It's a great you, book. Well, you already referenced it on the podcast, that's why I bought it. Yeah, and it's uh it's a uh, one of my favorite books of all time. So yeah. I'm really excited to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah. Well, yeah, you really is. It's just a good lesson on uh, all these books and stuff. I mean, we really are trying to recommend good stuff. And I, I didn't, I'd never read this book. It's called uh, Water from a Deep Well, and the uh, subtitle is Christian Spirituality 
from the early modern, uh, martyrs to the modern missionaries by Gerald Sitzer. He's a prof up at Whitworth College. Uh, he's got an amazing story to tell in his personal life. Uh, uh, theologian, but more of a historical theologian, and uh, so we are all about that on this Christian mm -hmm. History Podcast. Um, but today, we want to do something that's sort of epic. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of a weird way to introduce our podcast. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> hey, welcome. This is going to be epic. What I'm, I'm trying to say is we're covering an entire era of about a thousand years, almost a thousand years. It's wow. called the Middle Ages, and the reason that we're, call, we're covering it is we're call, covering it specifically uh, the rise of the laity. Uh, it's what Sitzer calls uh, the uh, ordinariness is the chapter that he's talking about. Spirituality uh, of the medieval uh, laity, like as in clergy versus yeah. Because when you said you said when you said we're going to record the the laity <laughs> podcast, I said wait the lady podcast. Yes, but what yes, lady podcast? I'm trying to do good diction here, Ben. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, right. Sur surely there were some some ladies. <laughs> the, in the lady was named Shirley. Ladies. Yes, yes. Oh my yes. gosh! I met someone please, over the weekend. Please but, continue. Okay, please. all right. Let's keep all going right. before we derail anymore. Yes, yes. But uh, but sister, uh, that wasn't cold open. The cold open was a, a paragraph in that in that chapter of Sitzer's book uh, called Ordinariness about the spirituality of ordinary, everyday lay people. Uh, because uh, the, just to give you sort of the overview here, the Middle Ages start in about 475 AD. That's when Rome is finally conquered for the last time by roving bands of uh, marauders. Uh, and it's uh, you know pretty traumatic to Europe because there's no more Roman, Holy Roman Emperor. And uh, and the Middle Ages go from 476 up until about 1400 or 1450, mm -hmm. just before the Reformation and the Renaissance. Actually, the Renaissance starts a little bit before that. But, yeah. but it seems uh, like it's a long time, and it is, but remember, we're the first generation to change our minds every two years. So that's just... <laughs> Just it takes longer Wait, back in the old days. Two years, yeah. keep up, man. It's every two hours. Now. That's right. That's right. Well, and and they were more into the entish back then. It takes a long time oh, to say anything so, in yeah, entish. Yeah. So we never <laughs> say anything. Man, I'm yeah. afraid if any real historians listen to us. But I thought you were going to say you're afraid if any real ants listen to our <laughs> podcast. They're going to think we're making fun of them. Uh, Dad, okay. you've been spending too long. We're in, free associating in the a lot. Tolkien books. There. Okay, but let me just give you a quote from uh, a one sentence quote from Sitzer about what happened uh, in the Mid Ages with regard to the laity. The Christian movement. This is the quote. The Christian movement became extraordinarily influential through the work of ordinary people. Hmm. See, now this is a big deal because there's been this myth around ever since, um, well, I, actually it was before, but uh, one, of the, uh, one of the famous historians of the 20th century was a guy named, uh, he, did the, he did the three uh, uh, biography, three set biography of uh, Churchill. What was it? Oh, McKinsey? Yeah, I can't, yeah, something like that. I can't yeah. remember his name. The, and, the Last Lion, that, that yes, whole series. Yeah, yeah. but, the, but he, he talks about the Mid-Ages and calls it the Dark Ages and that you know, like everything was just dead or dead. Spirituality just went down the tank. And it's just not true. Uh, more recent historians are kind of coming back to realizing that uh, previous, uh, you know, to the 20th century and even Enlightenment, there was a different attitude about it. And it was probably correct. And and uh, when Constantine becomes the emperor uh, just before the fall of Rome, well, 150 years before, uh, all of a sudden, instead of lesser growth, as when 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 Christianity becomes the uh, one of the official religions of the Roman Empire, instead of dropping back, it goes viral around 
the east and the west. Yeah. Uh, except it was growing so fast that they, they didn't, weren't able to concentrate on maturity and discipleship all that much. So when the mid-ages come along, uh, the early mid-ages, there was a real desire to deepen spiritual life. And uh, in fact, there's this, um, they, they, they sort of picked up on this word laos, which is a Greek word that Luke uses in the book of Acts and uh, for everyday Christians. The, the word, by the way, for clergyman, maybe yeah. you know, clergy kind of gets stuck in your throat. Yeah. That's not in the Bible. Right. But laity is. Okay. Meaning the people. Right. Ordinary people. Is it possible for so ordinary the, people to live an extraordinary Christian life? So the Bible doesn't give us a context for clergy as a specialized group of professionals. Right. Got right. It. Yeah. yeah. So according uh, to the Bible, I mean, there are bishops you'd, you'd and pastors. What's you? What'd you just <laughs> say? Mine. According to the wait, say that again. <laughs> I said according to the Bible, you'd be out of a job. Yes. I, yeah. Well, I'm just no, kidding. no, no. I'm just yeah, kidding. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. How, how, well, I'm not gonna. I was gonna make a joke about being an apostle, but that's not a good joke. So, <laughs> anyway, just to illustrate this, there's this guy named Abo of Fleury. Abo, you should have been named Abo. I know. Abo, I Abo of Fleury. <laughs> it sounds like a McDonald's ice cream Abo treat. Abo Fleury. <laughs> Abo McFlurry. Okay. I'll have an so Abo McFlurry. Please. Actually, it's Abo of Fleury. Right. He says this: Among Christians, both of both sexes, we know that there exist three orders and three degrees, so to speak. Although none of the three is exempt from sin, the first is good, the second is better, and the third is excellent. So this is the attitude in the early mid-ages. The first is that of the laity. Oh, say so they're good. Great. The second is the clergy, so they're it's better. better. Yeah. <laughs> and the third is the monk uh, is that of the monks. They're and they're excellent. Then they're excellent. <laughs> yeah, in the spiritual life. I mean the people people depended I mean the society and people were sort of taught to depend on the monks for their salvation. In fact, cuz the monks would like pray for you or something. Yeah, well they were the closest to to Jesus. They okay. were the closest like Jesus. Okay. They were the embodiment uh in, and if if they can't get saved, if they can't show you the way, then you're not going to find it. So okay. they were relying on them. Well, as long as they're they got my name, I'm okay. Interesting. And that's where a lot of the, you know, praying for the other people that aren't believers or praying for those who are dead and all that kind of stuff. Some of yeah. that stuff rose up during this time. Right. Uh, like, uh, for example, the, the leaders of the Clooney, uh, not George, but the Clooney <laughs> monastic renewal movement. Yeah. Uh, it begins in 19, or sorry, 19, 909. Yeah. Um, they believe that the monks uh, comprised uh, the one and only group in the social hierarchy that could, could completely be assured of their salvation. Oh, wow. Yeah. So if you're yeah. a monk, then yeah. you you can be certain of your salvation, and everyone else is just a guessing yes. game. Yes, which wow. kind of leaves out a whole bunch of Jesus' teaching. So you can yeah. kind of see how this starts to go. Wait a minute, what about all the common people that are yeah. just trying to get by and, it's, and it's, trying to follow the Lord? It's also that kind of attitude of hierarchy and and you know spiritual one-upmanship yep. that gives I think gives the Middle Ages a bad name yes. for Christianity. That's why they called it the Dark Ages because it was like that. But sure. really, they did what what historians hadn't know those who call it the Dark Ages. Ages don't notice all of the the aliveness that we're about to see here. Sure. Uh, Sitzer says it this way: uh, in the late Middle Ages, the twelve hundred uh, to fourteen fifty, uh, that's the last two hundred fifty years. Um, he says it, it was during this period that the laity emerged so slowly as a uh, slowly as a visible and influential uh, force in the church. So. So you know the, you got you got what eight hundred years seven hundred years 
and it was slowly moving in this direction, and there were all these movements and so forth. But it was the last 250 years that really opened the doors and and raised up the lay people, the yeah. ordinary believers, to a place of uh, that 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 altered the course of the Western Church. Yeah. Uh, the, the the groups that were call that were calling for you know uh, unleashing the laity so to speak uh, were the mendicants and um, we've already talked about one of those groups but we'll talk about it briefly here in a second but they they were they had names like this the the beguines be, beguines you, you ever heard of them <laughs> uh, nope but I'm sure must be French I'm sure we're I can't mispronouncing it. it yep okay and the, the tertiaries yeah uh, the brethren of the common life okay uh, but their two particular movements are their most famous and still to this day uh, you know have influence uh, at least in the Catholic Church and in you know many places now. Uh, but uh, the first one was the Franciscans, uh, as of St. Francis of Assisi, 1182 to 1226, which we just covered, what, a month or two yeah, ago? Yeah, we just did a podcast on him. Yeah, yep. yeah. But people would flock to this guy. I mean, he, he was uncommonly uh, joyful and uncommonly uh, attractive in terms of people being drawn to his his uh, teaching. Yeah. Uh, they, but but he but nobody could really do what he did in terms of giving up all the wealth and everything and running out to the woods and living with the animals like he did. Yeah, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But but that didn't keep people. And would, the people would find out he was coming to a town nearby, and it, and they it reminds me of like when Whitfield would come to the colonies and they would people have people come from different uh, colonies ju- from miles and miles away mm-hmm. just to hear this guy by the thousands. And I, that's uh, Assisi, apparently the same. So the Franciscans, that's one. The other one is uh, the one we, didn't, one we didn't talk about, but still quite famous, uh, the Domitians, uh, uh, the Dominicans rather, uh, which is begun by uh, Dominic, who was born in 1172, right around the time of uh, yeah. just before Francis. And uh, what his, his his movement was a little different, but it was again about the lay people and challenging the church to be real and helping people be real in their faith. Um, he observes that heretics were beginning to do the same thing that Francis was doing and getting a hearing for it just because they lived a sacrificial life, but they were communicating heresy. Mm. And and uh, you know they give a simple, understandable message, and you know is misguided. But people were saying, looking at them, but this person's so good, it must be real. And so, right. Anyway, Dominic goes after those guys, and uh, a few years later, he travels to Rome and asks the Pope for permission to preach to heretics, pagans, and ignorant Catholics. <laughs> and, and 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 it becomes his vocation. And as uh, Sitzer says, Dominic believed. That Catholics surrendered uh, doctrinal advantage, the Catholics had surrendered doctrinal advantage that they had, which in his mind was substantial to um, failing to live like Jesus. Wow! So, so he was challenging both the church and these heretics, and uh, whereas you know Francis had the absolute poverty that you know was challenging for people. But that it, w- it was calling the church back to not being beholden, but to wealth and power right. that they were getting to. Uh, but it seemed maybe a little out of reach for the everyday people. Dominic served in a, in a way that many people saw it as more practical and pragmatic. So they were able to take from Dominic a very similar lifestyle of following Jesus, finding the way of Jesus uh, that seemed to make sense in their life. But it was the same principle that's just coming at it from two different directions. Right. Bo- both are concerned with taking the not only the beliefs but the practice of faith really yeah. seriously yeah the, and, the true way of yeah, jesus true, true yeah. devotion and these yep. sorts of things yeah, yeah that's true. not just 
the doctrine and stuff. Yeah. And, or not just grabbing the power or who's going to give me salvation. Right. Just see, this, this whole thing sets up both the Reformation, Martin Luther, John Calvin, and the Counter-Reformation, right. uh, Erasmus and those guys. So a lot of the things that we that the Middle Ages get a bad rap for, you know, the the Inquisition and the violence, uh, yes. you know, the Crusades, and like, yes. and and some of these more uh, just ludicrous um, theological structures, like the hierarchy thing you were just talking about. Yep. Those those things by these this later part of the medieval era, like the time of St. Francis and, and Dominic, yeah. the, those now, now there's sort of this movement rising up. As, instead of from without, like a Reformation sort of thing, there's a movement rising up from within saying, let's actually get back to what our faith means yes. among ordinary people. Yes. So it's almost like, it's almost like, it seems like they're beginning to heal the wounds of the Middle Ages yes. church. Yeah. Well, do, doing what Jesus did by yeah. elevating and honoring and being interested in the the laity who God yeah. moves through oftentimes first. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a good comparison too, that to say, you know, like if we think we look at the mid ages as all these problems, blah, 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 which is true. They did have their problems, but guess what? So do we, I mean, if yeah. just, just take the matter of what, what causes us to go to war. Um, you know, you look at the, the crusades and it's not good, but if they were to come here, they would see the horrors of what makes us go to war, or sure. or, or the horrible destruction that is, you know, multiply quantum times compared to the destruction mm -hmm. of those days. Mm -hmm. uh, they would be horrified to live in this world. So yeah. anyway, it, it, it things tend to. I'm, I'm not justifying anything. Uh, I don't think we should justify ourselves either. But right. So in 2016, uh, Dominic uh, goes and asks the Pope to uh, to launch what he his order, which he calls. The Order of Preachers. Nice. Uh -huh. Which I must be a part of. I mean, <laughs> oh, boy. My name is, from now on, you shall refer to me as Dominic. <laughs> At least brother, for a little while longer. Brother Dwayne Dominic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, the mendicants, Francis, Dominic, and others preached the language of the lady, and that just elevated them and, and brought them into living the way of Jesus and not dependent on the monks so much anymore. And nothing wrong with the monks. It's just they didn't have a corner on the spirituality market. And um, and and also it, just uh, just kind to, of a crass way to put it, I guess. Yeah, just to note, like the Benedictines and stuff were yeah. existing before this. Like the different monk, there were different groups of monks, and yeah. Dominic and Francis both had their mon monastic orders. Yes, but the, the a big difference was um, there uh, a lot of the monasteries, not all, but a lot of the monasteries up to that point had turned into um, places for uh that kind of served the wealthy and the elite mm -hmm. so right. like we'll give you land to build your monastery and then you'll pray for our souls forever yeah. basically well, or yeah. or like or like um we have this older son who's going to inherit everything we want to pay for our younger younger son to be accepted into your monastery as a monk mm -hmm. and so like there it became this this sort of social hierarchy place where people were basically buying their way in whereas dominic yeah. and francis said no it's about true faith like this order, quote unquote, yeah. is open to everybody, and, it, and it's it's uh, the best life. Right? Yeah, yeah. And at first, they didn't even have like locations. Like it, it wasn't even like we talked about in Saint Francis. Like they didn't have a monastery for the monks. Right. It was they were just part of a group uh, yes. that was taking things seriously, and but they were out among the people. Yeah, which was but, a very different thing. Yeah, Dominic had a, had a group that traveling preachers. Yeah, and, right, and yeah. Francis had the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So. What, what that illustrates is uh, many, many more lay movements were going on other than those two. 
Uh, one was the Brethren of Common Life, and we've only got time for two people here to kind of explain what that was. One of the major shifts at this time was it went from a rural uh, economy to people were moving to major cities in just droves. And they shifted to like a profit economy. Instead of like, you know, I made this bottle of wine, for example, uh, a vintner who's had a vin vineyard in, in southern France. The, this is the sister's example. A vintner in southern France who's had a vineyard in his family for, you know, 400 years. Uh, in this time, would, would send his children to the city to go to school and become lawyers and teachers and those sorts yeah. of things. And so the economy shifted. But because of that, well, that's all to say that uh, it was much easier to get the word out to lay people. Okay. Uh, because they were all right there. Sure. They uh, were, so they were all pa closely packed in the city. Yes. I see. And one, one of those uh, was a guy from Holland, uh, uh, 1340 to 1384. Uh, his name was Gert de Groot. <laughs> I am Groot. Oh, I knew yeah, you were yeah, 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 I, I, I had to do that. Yeah, you, the movie's not? in yeah. the theaters right now. Yeah, the, you yeah, know, yeah. The Guardians of the Galaxy. I am Groot. But anyway, uh, Groot, uh, he was quite the dandy. He had all kinds of worldly <laughs> ambitions, like a lot like Francis, frankly. Uh, and uh, if you go check out the podcast, folks, you'll know what I mean. Uh, but uh, not all of his stuff was orthodox either. I mean, he's totally into magic and astrology and weird stuff. Okay. And then about, uh, I think it was uh, in the 13, uh, not in about 60s. Uh, he gets seriously sick, and the, the priest actually administers last rites to him. But somehow he recovers. He goes into a, he, he gives his life to God to Christ, and he goes into a monastery, and he puts on the robe. But he, he's just too much of an activist and a reformer. He just can't handle it in there. So he leaves the monastery and starts to preach rather boldly and brashly, actually. And some of the mendicants uh, who were more closer to the Roman church, uh, they posed him because he showed them how they had compromised Francis's vision. And uh, the clergy didn't like him because uh, they felt pressure. Remember, they were the only guys, they were stuck in the middle at better, right. apparently. I don't know. Um, I, I felt, <laughs> felt I needed to say that for my own sake. Stuck in the middle uh, at better. Stuck in the middle with you. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, okay. <laughs> and so, uh, anyway, they ban him from preaching, and he writes some stuff after that, but he dies of the plague in 1384. But he's still popular. The Brethren of Common Life, which he started, becomes so popular, it just keeps going. And uh, his his followers publish things that he'd written. Uh, they've published their own thing. And one of those followers was a, a man by the name of Thomas Akempis. Oh, that's a famous name. Yeah. And the reason is is because he wrote a famous devotional that's still devo uh, famous today and still in print. Uh, called the Imitation of Christ. Uh, Kempis lived in uh, 1380 to 1471. He was a medieval canon, a late medieval time, and uh, they uh, shortly, not too long after his death, in 1525, when they got the printing press, were able to start printing his devotion. He didn't die in 1525. That's what no. the printing press. No, he got died in okay. 1471. Okay. Uh, but let me I just like, read. That's a long, that? I was going to say, that's a long life. Yes. Okay, yeah, okay. No. Uh, he, here's, uh, well, he lived almost, uh, 90, 91 or no. Yeah. 91. Wow. But anyway, uh, let me just read an excerpt and see how up to date this sounds or that it's food for our ears to hear. Mm -hmm. This is from the imitation of Christ. What good does it do then to debate the Trinity? If by a lack of humility, you are displeasing the Trinity. 
In truth, lofty words do not make a person holy and just, but a virtuous life makes one dear to God. I would much rather feel profound sorrow for my sins than be able to define the theological term for it. If you knew the whole Bible by heart and the sayings of all the philosophers, what good would it all be without God's love and grace? Vanity of vanities, all is vanity, except to love God and to serve only Him. This is the highest wisdom to see the world as it truly is, fallen and fleeting, to love the world not for its own sake, but for God's, and to direct all your effort toward achieving the kingdom of heaven. Mm. And so that last line of to love the world not for your own sake, but for God's really illustrates, I think, what happened during the Mid-Ages to the laity, to the lay folks, the common, the ordinary folks as a... Sitzer would say. Hmm. It elevated them because all of a sudden, their lives, which were what was considered secular, right, or ordinary, that in our world we say, you know, secularism is anti-God. Well, that's not completely true. It's just all those things about ordinary life is what they would say. Hmm. So the, the secular world was separated completely, That's just like, you know, all these hierarchies and so forth. Uh, the body, soul, the body and the spirit were separated differently. But what the what these these um, movements of the late Middle Ages did is they bring brought both the secular or the ordinary back together with the sacred, and all of life is sacred if you're living it for God, hmm. uh, body, soul, and spirit. And so what you have here is this is the pre, uh, the pre the pre revolution to what we would call holistic living today. I mean, it per, certainly a holistic faith, I mean, because they were they were bringing back together things that had formerly been separated. Because you know, it's easier to sort of, you know, dodge full commitment if you can separate the body and my work life. And you know, right. I, commonly the way we say it is, oh, I've got my private life and I got my public life, or I got my church life and then I got my public life. Now, you know, that's, that's all the same life, and it all brings glory to God or it doesn't. And so. That's really what was uh, renewed here, and the hierarchy was was blown up uh, between monks, clergy, and uh, lay people, and it, it was elevated to uh, the the level that all people could do it. It, it, it. So, so again, this 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 makes it. Most of us today would say, well, of course, that's the way it should be, uh, even right. though we talk differently, and we're we're at, we're ever increasing in our culture to separating things again and compartmentalizing things again, but. Um, the what what Jesus did and what they were trying to do in terms of getting back to what Jesus did in the mid ages is he unleashed the laity he unleashed yeah. the common folks don't, don't you think there's a sense in which what we would say today is well of course everyone's equal which means every everybody's yeah. everyone's at the lowest yes. point like yeah so, we drop them all down yeah, yeah. So what, what we what we mean to say what we mean by that is like uh, well we're all sinners we're all messed up even the even the preachers even the public people whatever we're all yeah. messed up so so we're all messed up together and it's okay which is true but yeah. it seems like these folks were doing the opposite where they were saying instead mm -hmm. of bringing the monks and the priests down to the level of the quote unquote laity who were thought to be less spiritual yeah let's actually um let's let's empower the laity to think of themselves as saintly people like mm -hmm. you you too are called to be saints yes. in the new testament version vision of that word like yeah. you are you are called to live a radically uh holy and jesus-centered life yeah so it's sort of like instead of bringing 
the top tiers down to the low tier. It's bringing mm-hmm. the low tier up and saying, no, this is for everybody. Yeah. This, this level of spiritual devotion and transformation. Yes. And I think that's the right way to look at this. That's exactly what Sitzer says, right, in the cold open when mm-hmm. he talked about, you know, is it possible? I mean, because every generation has its quote-unquote saints, right. you know. But so let's ask that what that student in that cold open said, you know, so what? So I think we owe these people the privilege that we have of the freedom of religion and the openness uh, to following Jesus and living the way of Jesus in every person's life, not just for the specially trained or the specially right. yeah. you know, awakened. Um, and the second thing is, I mean, it really a, a scripture verse that really just came out to me in this is, you know, Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, uh, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do it all for the glory of God. That's so. good. And I just had one illustration from my life as we land this thing, um, or from our lives. Uh, back in the late 80s, Ben, a uh, little, well, about the time you are born, yeah. Uh, there were a couple of books that came out about the unleashing the laity. One of them's right here, uh, Liberating the Laity. It's a former professor of mine at Regent College. This this book went big, uh, as did a global a book went a global called Unleashing the Laity. Um, and uh, but Paul, our Paul Stevens, the Liberating the Laity guy, uh, their whole point was, hey. Instead of just clergy beating their brains out and and you know being the ones that are so hard to be professional Christians, let's deprofessionalize the faith. Let's get back to the way Jesus had it, and everybody comes up to that level nice. of, of full followers. And it really did uh, become sort of a global movement there for about you know ten years. And uh, it did you know it didn't last. There were some things that happened, uh, particularly uh, with regard to the other book that. Uh, caused some things to get people to get skeptical about things but there was some real like people were going into the cities uh, you know uh medical people were going in and starting free clinics in parts of the city where the people couldn't afford medical care and all this wow. kind of stuff and doing it in the name of jesus and it was pretty phenomenal mm. and all i'm saying is is i'm just thinking after looking at this uh, in the mid-ages maybe it's time for a lay people revolution again maybe and maybe it starts with a these days podcast yeah. it could be well let's yeah. see yeah let's see yeah. Uh, just spread it around folks let's see what happens and uh that uh that's a pretty much a wrap for me so great well yeah. do you think uh we should do you know uh-huh. some oh. Books and stuff. Books and stuff. All right, you got anything? I got one book. Yeah. Go. Okay. Uh, so a book by Andy Freeman and Pete oh. Gregg, which I've read before, oh, yeah. which I've uh, mm-hmm. mentioned before on the podcast, but long, long time ago. It's called Punk Monk. Oh yeah. Uh, and it's uh, it's a great book, really amazing book. Um, the subtitle is New Monasticism and the Ancient Art of Breathing. But it's basically about living in the world as an ordinary person, but with this sort of monkish devotion. Mm. So mm-hmm. punk monk, and it, they use he's a, uh, they both use a lot of examples of uh, the some of these early medieval saints and some oh, of the good. different things that we saw going. They talk about Saint Francis quite a bit. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a great book. All righty. Well, uh, I would just recommend if you haven't gotten it or never used it or never seen it, get a hold of uh, this very th- pretty small little book, not real huge. Uh, Imitation of Christ, The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Kempis. Mm-hmm. It's great. Uh, the one I really recommend, but Ben already recommended it a few podcasts ago, So, but I'm going to get my name on this now. Uh, Water from a Deep Well, Gerald Sitzer. Oh, it's so Fascinating good, to me. So yeah. good. Such a good and one. I would also say if you're interested in this topic, uh, Rodney Stark's uh, we've re- we've mentioned this too, the triumph of Christianity. He's got an entire chapter on 
uh, the what we're calling here the the laity uh, revolution. Oh, it's it's William Mc, um, William Manchester is the guy I was trying to think of who said yeah this is the dark ages, um, but he was just following what other people were saying at the time. Yeah. Anyway, in um, in Stark's book, it's called the the People's Religion, Chapter Fourteen. There's a whole chapter on uh, this uh, sort of again lay uh, lay people. Uh, Revolution, where it becomes the people's faith, not just the professional's faith. Great. So, yeah, right. mm, that's great. I think that's uh, about it. Then awesome. I I uh, encourage folks to uh, listen in again and uh, check out our website and the Patreon. Yeah. I mean the the Instagram and all of that. Yeah, too. join the These yeah. Days Laity at yeah. Patreon.com. <laughs> the Revolution. Patreon.com. The name slash of the podcast will ben. be going now. Yeah, yeah there you maybe. Go. Yeah. Well, we're about ready to go off the rails, so I think we better say we'll be going now. <laughs> <laughs>